Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Happy Monday. And Monday means it's Last Dance Reaction Time. It's episode nine. We've got another episode 10 coming up on the website a little bit later today. So check that out. But right now is episode nine. But first, let's introduce our host and a brand new guest. For me personally, when he met him, Phil Jackson said he's a scary fucking situation. It's Aaron Hagel, everyone. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Hi, Joey. How are you, pal? Uh, sad, sad. Oh, <laughs> uh, whenever I'm with him, I don't hold him back. I let him go. Mike Choi, how are you, dude? Man, Joey, I would have lost a lot of money to Vegas this uh, weekend because there was no last dance by Donna Summers. Bummer. I know you had you had some strong numbers on that too, and this is oh, actually man. technically a betting podcast, so oh man, you can lick your wounds in a little <laughs> bit. And joining us for the first time on the pod, he once said after six beers he could have easily had seven. It's Brian Colbert Kennedy. We call him BCK. What's up, man? Thanks for joining us, dude. Joey, thank you very, very much for having me. I'm pumped and sad also. So for those of you that have listened to pods in the past, thank you so much. This right here, this foursome right now is a text thread. One of the strongest Southern California basketball <laughs> text threads going right now. These are the three guys that I talk to the most about Bulls basketball, and we have watched every single second of this amazing 10-hour documentary series, The Last Dance. These are the final two episodes. We're going to start with episode nine today. And uh, I say it every single week, so uh, drink if you're listening. Uh, this thing could have been 20 hours long. Um, at first, when I heard it was 10 hours, I was like, wow, 10 hours. And then this thing could have gone on forever, forever, forever. And at some point in episode 10, we are going to do the top things that did not make it into the podcast. But let's just start first with don't hold them back. Just let them go. The Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan, um, the rivalry, if you want to call that, or maybe just like the little kid brother on the playground trying to get something off the king. Let's just start there with our general reaction of um, that Indiana Pacers series and the relationship that MJ and Reggie Miller had and the relationship you had with Reggie Miller as a fan growing up. Well, I, I think, you know, I think we, we might have talked about it last week, and Michael even said it, um, you know, in episode nine, which I, it was kind of cool to hear him say, the Pacers, besides the Pistons early on, were the toughest team that the Bulls faced. That's crazy. I felt the same way. They were the scariest team I remember facing. I mean, the Knicks were also very scary, but not as, yeah, not as tough as the Pacers. Top to bottom, they were just tough, and they were very good. And Reggie was like that super annoying little dude you'd see in the court who just talks shit, but he backs it up. You know, like that's the thing that was more annoying about Reggie than anything is he backed it up and it was tough to beat him. So when Michael was choking him, <laughs> I was so happy. Like, get him, <laughs> go after him. And it's cool to hear Michael say like, yeah, let him go. Come on. I'll take him on. And it, it to me in that moment, when I saw him say that, I thought this guy's like an actual like raging bull. Michael is fired up all the time, pissed off all the time, and ready to go. And I just thought, raging bull. Hop <laughs> in, Mike. I mean, the best quote in the entire series might have to be, don't ever trash talk black Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that is, like, amazing. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy because, uh, echoing Aaron's point, I, to hear Jordan say that that was his uh, toughest matchup behind the Pistons was, like, that, that actually surprised me. and. Um, you know, watching that that uh, that series, I had forgotten that the Pacers as a team had all shaved their heads. That was like crazy. I mean, Rick Smith looked like a giant penis, you know. And um, <laughs> and again, like echoing Aaron's point, like as a player, I hated Reggie Miller. I mean, I despise the guy. But talk about like career rehab, man. Like now he is actually he's actually like one of my favorite uh, sports commentators in basketball. So he did like for me like a complete one eighty. So um, yeah. Well, when you go back, maybe not like the handles per se, but like the shooting alone. I mean, he was the first early version of what I would think Steph Curry is, is a dude that could probably hit a tray from anywhere on the floor at any moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get hot at any single time. Um, BCK, I want to hear your thoughts on Miller, but I also want to hear your thoughts on. So this was an interesting one that Jordan, I think, invented on his own, which was it wasn't the slap. It wasn't the punch. It was the finger drag across the face. It was the scratching. Ever tried it? Uh, 
You know, it's an underutilized and highly effective uh, mode of attack. And I was glad to see MJ just go, go for it all out. Yeah, leave uh, your mark. You can't quite get suspended <laughs> for it, but at the same he did, time. He did, get a, he did get a punch in there also. Yeah, it looked like it. it. I, probably, just, I always remember that he had, that Reggie had like three like yeah, yeah. trail marks on his face for like a week <laughs> after that. <laughs> like he was like, he was like branded. He was like branded by, it wasn't quite a scratch. It wasn't a slap. It wasn't a punch. It was something. It, Cause you know, it's like one of the few things you can, you can do. You can't just go around. I mean, you, you know, players did, but you can't go around throwing punches and head and shit. You got to just like get in there with your open hand and I get, I don't know, do whatever, do whatever the hell you can. Um, yeah, man, that was, that was great. We got another great clip of, of MJ watching the, the iPad, uh, uh, play, you know, which is just, those are some of the best in the whole series. Um, and yeah, so cool to, you know, most of the time he's just like, you know, you t- talk about Russell or all the, all these guys that, that, that they mentioned, oh yeah, you got some trouble on. Huh? He's like, fucking no, I didn't. But he just was straight up like Reggie's <laughs> awesome. Reggie's great. Reggie's one of the best, um, which is so cool, you know, cause he's such a, it's just, I feel like hard to get a compliment probably out of, out of that guy. Cause his standards are just so high. So it was cool to, to see him give some, some mad respect. Yeah, really, kind of, if you start to break it down, that is really one of perhaps the most annoying teams ever assembled from, like, a personality standpoint. So, as a fan, I remember with the Knicks, it was more like the Knicks were rough and tumble, and I never really thought that they were very talented. I always just found it very frustrating because they were always trying to beat you at their own game. But that Pacers team was really talented, right? I mean, Mark Jackson, uh, all-star annoying guy, uh, even after his career. Uh, was on that team. Uh, Rick Smith's uh, The Walking Dong uh, is my joy. The Walking Dong. The Walking Dong. Uh, Chris Mullen uh, shaved his head. Mistake. Uh, total mistake there. Sweet shooting, but also a guy that uh, I believe ruffled a few feathers back in his day. And he could actually talk some trash because he was a New York dude. Uh, young Jalen Rose. Uh, anybody on the, on the annoying scale of probably personalities on the court. <laughs> and then you had the ringleader of reggie miller with the two davis brothers underneath the hoop i mean that team was really talented and as a fan growing up i don't want to say i was like genuinely scared but that game seven was probably the most terrifying moment of my little bull's life uh because i honestly really didn't know whether they were going to make it through that series or not and i think that's probably a testament to reggie and how great reggie played at that time i don't even remember i mean what happened I'm curious what happened to them that next year. Obviously, they lost to the Knicks in that strikeout, that strikeout lockout year, but it seemed like that was kind of the Pacers' last hurrah, too. Like, they were kind of, they were kind of done. That was their best shot at winning the title that year. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I have a question for you guys. Um, I was, you know, it wasn't as confusing in, in the earlier episodes because um, when they were kind of cross-cutting between the 97 year and then all the years before, because obviously 84 looks a lot different than 97. But actually, these last couple of episodes, for me, it was a little confusing to know, hey, which, which year are we in? Because as, as the years kind of collided, I was, so was that, and this might just be me, but was, was that Pacers series, was that the... Uh, 97 championship or was that the 98 championship year? Cause like it, I started to get confused to like having to like pinpoint, Oh no, this is 97. No, no, no wait, This is 96. You know? Well, I, if I, uh, we, we could be wrong here, but I'm, well, that's the 98, the game seven series. That's the 98 series. Yeah. They also, if I remember correctly, played each other that previous year. Um, also in the playoffs too, as well. Uh, because then in 96 was, uh, they played the magic that year. And I want to say by 97 or 98, Shaq was on L.A. So the Magic weren't even really a thing anymore. Anthony, like Penny Hardaway was already hurt. That ship had already sailed. Sure, and sure. that's sort of when the Pacers kind of rose up a little bit. And again, don't want to get into it right now, but I'm going to be sprinkling these in throughout the pods uh, today. Of I've been getting a lot of text messages about everyone because these are the last two episodes about making their top 10 lists and I've been getting a lot of top 10 lists that have like Kobe and Russell and even LeBron number one on their all-time lists. And let's just say right now that, you know, whatever you want to say about LeBron, like his competition in the East, other than maybe those Boston teams early on, were never quite as tough as those Indiana Pacers teams, those New York Knicks teams, the Orlando Magic that he played. And then, oh, ho-hum, like they just drop it in there in game two against the Pacers. Jordan scores 41. 
You know what I mean? Like that would be like a, <laughs> they, would, they would do two weeks on that with LeBron of like, is this a, the most dominant playoff game? We, no, no, Jordan just scored 41. You know what I mean? No big deal. Uh, no problem. So I want to ask you guys this question. This question is, might be a little bit tough to answer, but I'm starting to kind of realize after Scottie Pippen clanks those two free throws in game four against the Pacers, which I kind of sort of forgot, sort of filed it away in the eternal spotless mind of uh, my psyche. In your memory, did, did Pippen ever have a dominant playoff game? Did he ever have a positive, like his moment, his one big shining playoff moment? Mike, what do you think? Joey, I, uh, after you sent the notes last night of what we were going to talk about, I, I did a deep dive into the stats as I'm prone to do. Um, you know, if you want to talk about like a signature game, you know, probably not, right? I mean, the two biggest moments that we remember him uh, in the playoffs might be obviously sitting out at 1.8 seconds and then obviously with uh, the migraine game, you know, against the uh, Pistons. But, you know, I mean, his playoff numbers are bona fide, though. So, like, in those six championships, he averaged 19 points, 7.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 2.5 steals. So, I mean, and, and yeah, also you have to remember that's an era where the playoffs, like, he only scored roughly, you know, in the 80s. So, I mean, did he have that signature game? No, but, I mean, he showed up during the playoffs. And those numbers probably increased even a little bit in that year that Jordan didn't go into the playoffs. And the other thing that was amazing, he, had, he has four – uh, triple doubles in the playoffs, which is two more than Jordan, which ranks him 11th all time. So, I mean, I mean, again, did he have that like, oh, one shining moment? Probably not. But I mean, he definitely showed up in the playoffs. Yeah, I was looking at some of the box scores and not a lot of 30 point games, especially after mm-hmm. like 1992, but a whole lot of like 26, 11 and eight. And you nailed it on the steals. Uh, he, it looked like every in the box score, it's just like two, three, four, four, two, 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 over and over again on the steals. And uh, I just I kind of found it interesting. And you, you did make a really good point that we always have to keep reminding ourselves that they're only scoring like 80 points in these games, uh, <laughs> which kind of like it sort of blows my mind now. Like they ran it at one point in episode nine. It was like 54-45 with six minutes to go in the third. And you're just like, what the hell is going yeah. on right now? But, uh, yeah, BCK, I want to ask you, just because Pippen never had a dominant playoff game, does that change your opinion on him, like, really at all? It's just it's got, it's funny. It's just kind of ironic. Yeah, it does, it does seem funny, but it was – I mean, no, not at all. There, there was, you know, that, that moment watching – I forgot what episode it was. Uh, it was not a nine. Um, where, where, you know, where he sat out the, the, the last, you know, couple seconds of that game. You, you do, I mean, you know, you start, you start, I started, I was like, fuck, man. I just forgot, I forgot about it when I, you know, well, bet until, it, until I was reminded of it. And I, I started, you know, thinking for, for a second, but get the fuck out of here. He can't, I mean, there's just, there's just no, still, like, who, is there a better number two dude? It's just fucking crazy. I don't, yeah, well, well, I don't think you can talk shit about him. If, if MJ's dropping 25 and he's dropping 23, that's 58 of a possible 80 points. That, that pretty much yeah. sums it up. Hop in, Aaron. I was going to say, um, you know, you're talking about scouting and free throws in the playoffs. I'm not sure about that, but you posted today on Instagram all those clips of Michael catching a missed free throw in the air and dunking it, which to this <laughs> day I think is – the hardest play maybe to do in basketball because like 10 things have to go right for that to happen not only did Jordan do that once he did it multiple times but the interesting thing is I noticed you know who's shooting the free throws every single time Scotty Pip every time (laughs) every time Jordan went in for missed free throw and dunked it Scotty was shooting a free throw (laughs) and I don't remember him being that bad of a free throw shooter you know it's not like Shaq yeah like you know just the fact that Jordan would even attempt to do that. Like, I've played basketball. Like, nobody did that. Nobody no. would just go in and run and do that because it's a waste of time. More than likely he's going to make it. More than likely someone's going to box you out. And anyway, uh, Scotty was a uh, free throw shooter. Yeah, which is a funny thing of, like, <laughs> is it the symbiosis of their relationship together or it's just, like, Mike being, like, Scotty's clanking this free throw. Like, <laughs> he's bricking this. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Joey, so, I mean, is your contention – 
I mean, I guess uh, I'm curious, is like your contention that he hasn't shown up or I, I guess where is that question coming I, I, from? Per I, se? Just, I find it really interesting because especially this week and now with these final two episodes, I think basketball fans everywhere are just doing a lot of reflecting and doing a lot of inventory of like, who's the greatest and this and that and all this other stuff. And I'm sure we're going to get into it more in depth, but my whole thing about MJ and, and I think the way that we also look at athletes in general is it isn't always just about rings. Like the rings is always the easy argument that you throw at people in the bar to kind of get people off their back. But then like you kind of get into the moments and those are when they really start to separate people, in my opinion, between the greatest and then just the great, which is still, you know what I mean? still amazing in its own right. And the thing that's really happening with MJ in this documentary is that like everyone from years, you know, especially us as Bulls fans are just like, Hey dude, six titles, get the fuck out. Like don't, we can't even have this conversation, man. Six titles, never lost a finals, go away, blah, blah, blah. But what you're seeing now is that like the myth of Jordan is matching the resume and it's unassailable and it's incredible. And, and moment after moment in this documentary, we know all the hits, right? We know the top 10, the dunking over you and the flu game, yada, yada. But, you know, it's just these random, like, you know, game three, uh, Jordan, 38 points on 16 of 20 shooting. Or, you know what I mean? Or just randomly, he's dropping 45 here, 43 there. Like, the dude just did it night in and night out. And what's really interesting about Scotty is that Scotty just doesn't have that signature game. You know, he doesn't have that signature play i think if we go through the list of all these different players i think we could all come up with at least one moment in time that we all distinctively remember and i just find it interesting that maybe scotty doesn't necessarily have that on the positive side we remember the negatives but it's just weird that he just doesn't have that type of game go ahead aaron well i think part of that is the fact that you know he would always have to stick the best player on the other team more more often than not so his huge contributions that don't show up in box scores. You know, he got some steals. Yeah, for sure. But how about, you know, denying the guy, the ball or going around screens. Like he was the guy that did all that stuff to help your team that doesn't show up in box scores. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, what kind of a game he had outside of the box score, like legendary games when he shut down magic in the 91 finals, you know, like all those defensive stops that aren't steals or blocks. So that's where I think he really shined more than anything um, was on the defensive end. Go ahead, BCK. I think it was I think it was Kerr that said it in the in I think it was in episode nine. Uh, you know about when he joined the Bulls and uh, you know was was really taken uh, under under Pax's wing. Um, he I think it was him, but you can apply it to Pippen. I think anybody that played with with Jordan is you know no what's your role. I, I knew my role and I played it. You, I don't think you can, you can, you can never talk shit, uh, talk any trash about Pippen because he did exactly what he should have done every time. And like, look at the results. Like he, that, that's it. Yeah. And I think like, what's funny is what we're dropping is like Pippen getting that steal after Kerr hits the big shot, him stealing it. And then, you know, tossing it up to Tony for the dunk. Like, Huge play, major play. I mean, we always had the Charles Smith play, but um, you guys are both right. I think it's definitely like the little things, the glue guy stuff. Like, uh, and, and personally, you know, when he was named 50 greatest players, whatever that was, 15 years ago, everyone was like, Scotty, 50 greatest players? And for me, it was like no-brainer. Like, absolutely no doubt in my mind. I just think it's always kind of funny that we just don't – we don't have – like, I mean, Scotty Burrell has a Scotty Burrell game in the documentary – but there isn't necessarily the Scotty Pippen game, if that makes any sense. And I just found that um, I just found that to be kind of interesting. And maybe that's just more of a product of just being under MJ's shadow, uh, because relentlessly, time and time again, the dude is just the, the dude is dominating in every round. Go ahead, go ahead, Higgs. Do, do they have a stat that shows points against a player? Like, for instance, Pippen guards Magic, and Magic mm. only has four points against Pippen that game. Right, like, right, is right. there some kind of stat that they can measure that? Because that'd be an interesting way to see how he was more effective on the court, you know? I'm sure that there is, man. It'd be really hard to find. Because, yeah, now I'm thinking of, like, when uh, Pip, they put Pippen on Mark Jackson against the Pacers uh, just because he was tearing us up. And, honestly, we really didn't have a point guard back then. So it was like, all right, now it's time. You, we got to go put Pip on him. You know what I mean? Um, 
And I think that was always like a huge factor in them winning titles. And I'm not knocking Pippen. It's just, he just weird. He never had that, never had that game. Never had, there's no Pippen game. It just doesn't, I mean, there's the Pippen game. He had a bad back. There's the Pippen game. He had a migraine. There's the Pippen game. Uh, he sat out 1.8 seconds. You know what I mean? But there's not necessarily that definitive Pippen game. Let's uh, pip and pivot off of that. And I just want to ask you guys a question. <laughs> I, I know, dude. Thinking about it all night, and I just executed it. Feels so good. Um, I want to ask you guys, um, you know, let's tip and let's pour one out for Malone for a little bit here. Uh, I want to say some nice things about him because I'm about to talk some major shit probably for the next 10 minutes. But, you know, Carl Malone, uh, pillar of productivity and longevity. Uh, very good basketball player. I just really just uh, re- uh, awoke the demons uh, of him getting that MVP that year uh, on a team that didn't win as many games as the Bulls. Uh, didn't have his, have any titles, uh, and Jordan was defending his title at the time. They still came back and won 69 games, and he didn't get the MVP that year. Um, general thoughts that you guys have about how you feel now and how you felt back then. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, I'm going to back Michael till the end of time. But, again, when you look at the stats, I mean, other than points, which Malone only trailed by a couple, uh, Jordan had 29.6. Malone had 27.4. Malone had better stats. He had more rebounds at 9.9 versus Jordan's 5.9. Uh, actually had more assists by uh, a half an assist uh, more than Jordan. At, uh, he was like 4.5 and Jordan was at 4.13. And then pretty much the same number of steals. So, I mean, if you were to break it down by stats, he, you know, you could argue that he had a better season um, in terms of record. Only a, you know, a handful of games uh, uh, less wins than the Bulls did that year. So, and here's the thing. I mean, as we've come to see, like, right, Michael will find beef with anybody to, like, motivate himself, even if he has to make it up like LeBradford Smith, right? So, um, you know, I mean, did he need that kind of motivation to win a title? I, you know, I mean, for J- Jordan, yeah, but it's kind of like, you know, Jordan could have won the MVP every year. I mean, right, They're just by numbers, that's, that's, that's just fact. But I don't think Malone was undeserving by any means that year. He wasn't properly pissed off enough. Uh, he wasn't at the, the peak proper level of getting pissed off. And there's really nothing better that like encapsulated that than Jordan in the locker room before the game, sitting with the model shot. And he's just kind of like in his head. And it's just one of those things where he's, you can tell that he's sort of like throwing around all these different phrases or all these different mantras that he's thinking. You're not even really thinking about the game. He's thinking more about like different modes of attitude that he's trying to check himself into. And Ahmad Rashad just goes, well, some can and some can't. And it just kind of hits Mike. And some can't. I guarantee you he thought of Carl Malone. <laughs> he immediately just went, some can, some can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that, that, was, Carl Malone. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, BCK. That was pretty, just that moment uh, before, because he actually had to repeat it. Ahmad said it, and, he, and MJ's sitting there with his, you know, his head in his hand, and he like sort of stops his little movement. And he's like, what would you say? Like it really clicked. What was that? Awesome, yeah, it was like awesome, it was, awesome little moment. It was like he was categorizing in his head, and in his head he had a some can uh, cloud, and then the some can't, and he just saw Carl Malone just shift over to the some can't, and was like, "Okay, I'm good. I'm good on this. I'll be just fine." And then he goes, "Don't tell that to Scotty Burrell. You'll scare him." <laughs> a whipping boy, man. <laughs> whipping boy. Every team's got to have one. And uh, I'm glad that they fit a Scotty Burrell dunk highlight in there into the final episode because uh, he somehow carved out a small little like niche character. Uh, sorry, Ron Harper, uh, but apparently Scott, <laughs> Scott Burrell was a bigger part of these, these Bulls championships than anything else. Um, but yeah, Higgs, I mean, looking back now, I mean, I know the Carl Mullen MVP thing is kind of ridiculous, but in your opinion, is it still like, do you still have sour grapes towards it? Or is it this thing of like, man, if that didn't happen, maybe MJ didn't have the motivation to win a title. No, I just think it's one of those things when somebody in any sport is really, really good at in the top of their game for a long time, people start finding ways to nitpick like what they're doing. And being like, well, Jordan, he had, you know, he, this game, he only had 25, blah, blah, blah. So I just think that was the case. I mean, honestly, the guy should have been MVP every year. And think about this. He was MVP the last year he played. I mean, he came back for the Wizards. But, like, 
The guy was the MVP the last year he played in the league. Is it? Has anybody else ever done that? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> yes, I think we're going to go with no. <laughs> so, I mean, in my opinion, he should have won every year. I, I, I actually did like Karl Malone back then until they played the Bulls. So I, I, I did like the mailman. Um, one thing they didn't talk about in the documentary for some reason is just a quick mention of who John Stockton was and how good that guy was. He's the all-time leader in assists and steals. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> the all-time leader in the mailman is what? Second in points of all time behind Kareem? Uh, points, like, yeah. And then I think he has all-time minutes played now at this point. Like he played 82 games a year for 14, 15 years. Um, the interesting thing about Stockton was Stockton was kind of at the tail end by the time he made those two finals teams. And I just kind of sort of remember, I mean, he was more of a pest than I think probably a threat. I remember him and Hornacek is kind of like that combination a little bit to sort of be scared about. And then I don't know where Stockton would pull some amazing play out of his ass. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Stockton and I remember Stockton and Malone were like, were buddies with Jordan on that dream team. So, you know, they were, they were contemporaries as much as they were probably rivals. Uh, were you guys surprised at all that they didn't get Malone? Malone didn't, didn't want to interview because it seemed like they, they portrayed Malone fairly glowingly. I mean, they were pretty gracious in some of the things that they decided to not put in the documentary. Did that surprise any of you guys? Well, I mean, yeah, that, that, maybe a little bit, but I thought it was actually really surprising that, right, like these, the, the series comes down to this Brian Russell moment, right, and they didn't get Brian Russell. So I thought that was actually interesting that they, don't, that they didn't get his take, especially with the whole, like, once again, Michael had to like find reason to hate Brian Russell, you know, you know, he was talking trash when I was playing baseball about, oh, you can guard me. Like, you know what? Like Brian Russell probably could have said, yo, MJ, you're my favorite player of all time. And Mike would have been like, why the fuck you say that to me? And would have found a reason to like hate him for that. So it's like, favorite? <laughs> uh, again, another reason why Space Jam is the most important moment in uh, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls history uh, for the Byron Russell moment again. And yeah, another, another time when it's just putting it into his thought bank. Of, <laughs> and then again, like the some can and some can't Byron Russell is be, being moved over to that thought cloud into the some can't with the why, why you quit. And that was com some of the coolest stuff too. Cause Jordan, one of the few times in the documentary, I think actually really breaks down his thought on the game where I thought that was amazing that he goes, you know, Byron Russell is a great defender, but he plays defense on his toes. And I immediately knew how to play him because of that, which was drive hard and either cross over or step back, one of the two. And what did he end up doing, you know, multiple times and burning Russell over and over again was that. So I thought that was a, a, an amazing detail that he was kind of able to share about. I mean, Jordan doesn't really talk too much about the angles. He just talks about the work, you know, I, the work, and then I go out and, I, and then I play really hard. That was, a, that was a really interesting part. I want to talk about the flu game, five delivery guys, and the Steve Kerr story. But first, we've got to talk about a little sponsor, guys. And what better sponsor than the one that's been sponsoring this entire podcast in the last month or so, betonline.ag. So when you're waiting, waiting it out at home, you can still have some fun betting with your partner, betonline.ag. And look, we know no NBA yet, no MLB, no NHL. But don't worry, BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports that you can wager on. Like NASCAR is coming back, guys. There's a race this weekend. Madden and NBA 2K simulation tournaments, UFC, and online casino, poker, and blackjack gaming events. So coming up next Sunday, betonline.ag has ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining to discuss the Michael Jordan doc on what they call After the Dance on BetOnline. So make sure that you check that out. And there's still plenty of fun to be had when you go to BetOnline.ag. And if you use the promo code MYPOD100, M-Y-P-O-D-100, you can receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. They are just giving it to you. So why don't you go ahead and check it out on BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code MYPOD100 to let the website know that Believe sent you there. And talk to your wagering experts today. Let's go back to the pod. Hop in, Higgs. Joey, is that true? Can you really bet on NBA 2K games? Yes, it can. That and more. And they give you money on that first deposit. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Thank you. Okay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Higgs is gone. He just dropped the <laughs> headphones. And 
Jonathan, I got to put some money down on some games. Your finger, your finger came up so fast. I was like, what the fuck is he about to ask? <laughs> I don't know. He's looking at right now. He's looking at, he's looking at Pacers Bobcats. Uh, I'm going to see what the odds are on, on me tonight. Yeah. <laughs> 2K, I don't know. It's in Charlotte. They're pretty good at home when you simulate. Something to think about. Um, Spreads 14 and a half. Yeah, exactly. Take the under. I got Miles Bridges for over six rebounds. Uh, let's do this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to uh, – I can't decide which one I want to talk about first. Actually, let's just talk about the Steve, Cor- the Steve Kerr story. Um, I think – a um, really interesting story, uh, a lot of details and interesting background that I didn't necessarily knew about other than perhaps reading in an article about him um, at one point or another. Um, I want to be fair to this. I do want to ask how important it was to get the Steve Kerr, sto- Steve Kerr story into the timeline of The Last Dance. Um, I mean, I found it to be a very interesting story, but uh, I, I, I'm sort of confused. Am I wrong? Was Steve Kerr as important to these Bulls teams as I forget that they, he was, or is he billing, being built up just a touch more than perhaps what we remember? Go ahead, Mike. Well, I mean, he, I mean, no doubt about it. He definitely hit some big shots, right, during those championship years. But I think, to your point, Joey, it's a little bit more of this idea that, like, Steve Kerr is, like, the best NBA coach right now. Right. So he's got this current day stature that obviously brings exposure back to this project. So I think that's why he's probably woven in there a little bit more. But also, in, it's actually interesting that he kind of is going to dispute what I'm about to say. But I thought the parallel was going to be right that Jordan's dad was murdered, his dad was murdered, that there was going to be this kind of bond that they formed. And then so it was interesting that he actually said that, like, you know what, we never actually shared this commonality between us. Cause I thought, I thought that's where that was leading. I mean, I thought that was a natural, you know, uh, end progression of like, you know, both these guys who have had, you know, tragic things happen to their father. But I mean, to your point, once again, Joy, I think it's a hundred percent. He's, he's more in this series because now he's like the most, you know, you know, rightfully so one of the greatest coaches in basketball right now, but had he not been, yeah, he probably wouldn't have been this feature. Yeah, I definitely think there was a chance for an unspoken empathy that probably was shared between Jordan and Kerr because they both had that information, just never spoke about it personally. I guess my point is, is like, you're, you're hitting it right on the head, Troy. I, I don't know if he would have as big of a role in the documentary if he hadn't gone on to win two rings with the Spurs and then three more with the Warriors because now he is this um, accredited champion, right? Like, in my opinion – in terms of the on the court basketball thing, this is literally like if we spent 25 minutes on a documentary talking about Kyle Korver on the D Rose bulls. Um, and you know what I mean? Like, I, I get it, but you know, we could do Ronnie Brewer too, or, you know what I mean? We could do, we could do Bogans. You know what I mean? Um, there was a lot of role players and Steve Kerr was just a big part of that gang in my opinion, but maybe the fact that he won championships makes him a little bit more. And the fact he's a great personality makes him more of an interesting piece for the doc. Um, what did you want to add to that BCK? First of all, I was kind of pissed that he was wearing a fucking Warriors t-shirt the whole time. Yeah, wait, what are we doing with that? <laughs> Did not like that one bit. Just put on a Tommy Bahama button down. I'm like, Let's play the middle. Yeah. <laughs> we know who you fucking coach for. Uh, I, was, I was pretty pumped to get a little bit into Kerr. I guess I do, I do agree that some part of it is probably because of what he has become since. But, uh, but I was, you know, once we start, who do we get first after MJ? Probably the little, little backstory on Pip in the earlier part of the series. And then, uh, you know, we got Kukoc eventually and Robin, of course. And the only one we hadn't got yet that I sort of, that I was still waiting for was Kerr, just because he, in my mind, back when I was watching uh, uh, these, these championships go down, he was somebody that, uh, that I really cared about. Um, I just want, yeah. And I just wanted a little bit, a little bit of it. And maybe they spent too much time possibly. Maybe I didn't have to go that far, but uh, I like that he was uh, highlighted uh, uh, for a sec and you know, they mentioned previously in the series uh, his, like, that first tiff that he had with MJ Wright, and he fucking punched him in the face, and, and you know, everything sort of got better for them uh, personally there. So I like that, that he had a, a little highlight because there, he was somebody that I think MJ trusted a lot and was, was pretty important uh, for, those, for that second three-peat. But the thing that I kind of noticed was this weird tease of almost like an IP building going on right now where this is like, the Warriors 
the Warriors universe being kind of introduced and teased in the Bulls universe, where eventually like that Steve Kerr story will be a part of the Warriors documentary years and years and years from now about a different dynasty from a different time and how the threads of those tied together. It just sort of felt like this whole like little like that drop in at the end of the movie where you're like, oh, Hawkeye's going to be in the next movie. It's like, oh, this is <laughs> this is the teaser for what the Steve Kerr Warriors documentary is going to be like. Go ahead, Mike. Well, and you know, Aaron and I talked about it the last episode episode. So I don't know how intentional or not it was, but I think this was kind of that highlighting that moment when Jordan's kind of saying none of these guys have struggled. None of these guys have faced adversity. I, you know, I personally think this was kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, screw off, Michael. Some of these guys have faced adversity and, and this is proof literally of one of the worst possible adversities any human being could ever face. Yeah. To become one of the greatest three point shooters of all time. And um, good for Steve Kerr's mom real quick. I mean, we've been giving up. The moms have been fantastic throughout this documentary series, right? Like very, like very lively, beautiful, eloquent, articulate women in their, in their older years. Like, I mean, good for them. Keep it going. Mad love to the moms. Mad love to the moms. Hags, you're loving that right now. You're loving the moms <laughs> right now. Loving the moms. Yeah, geez. I was shocked that Kerr's mom was in this thing. And I was like, what? What is she doing in this? Why is she in here? I mean, obviously, it's the whole story. I don't know. I, it, it's, a, it's a super interesting story. It's very sad, of course. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know. For me, it was just like it was too, it was too much in depth for what, was, what the documentary is about, personally. And, you know, I just think the filmmaker put that in there to set up the pass that Michael gives Kerr to hit the game-winning shot, that he trusts him. They're on a different level maybe than some of the other guys in the team saw it. I get it. It was just a little bit too much in depth for me. Yeah. Uh, and not, uh, yeah, I'm not knocking it as a story. Just interested to see why they spent so much time on it, I guess is, was, was my question. And, and, and we're such big bulls fans and we want so much of this. These are precious seconds we're burning through here. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Every time we're showing a, a still shot of Steve Kerr shooting a free throw in college, it's just like, all right, let's, let's get on to the other stuff. Two more topics before we wrap up episode nine. Let's just dive right into it guys. The flu game. The five delivery guys. Um, the story was laid out. If you, if you didn't get a chance to watch the episode, thank you for listening to the pod first, but seriously, go listen to the episode, then come back and do this. Um, the story goes that Jordan was with his security team one night. They're up. It's Utah. Not a lot of food places that are open. They're calling around all over the place and they finally find the one place uh, and Utah, known for its pizza, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> the one place that's actually open, they get a pizza that's delivered. Um, I did find it kind of curious that, like, if you're ordering pizza late at night, do you really have to tell everyone that you're Michael Jordan? Or can't you just be like, this is Bob Smith getting a pizza? Um, somehow five delivery guys deliver one pizza trying to get a peek at Mike. And nobody ate the pizza. I ate the pizza. Your Honor? I ate the pizza and the next day he was sick as a dog, but went out and still played this incredible game. Let's just uh, walk through this from a litigation standpoint. Are we believing it? Are we not believing it? Go ahead, Mike, open up the floor. <laughs> Guys, I have so many questions about this. I mean, I could watch a whole like Dateline NBC you know, special <laughs> on this alone, man. I mean, um, I know I, and I, I don't know actually if I recall it being ultimately attributed to pizza, this is kind of brand new to me. It was always the flu game. But I mean, I like, you know, I know he said it was what 1030 ish, but the, the, the hotel's not doing room service when you're housing, you know, an NBA championship team in your city. That's weird. Um, to your point, Joey, it's weird that like, I can't imagine that he said on the order it was for Michael Jordan, right? So that these guys come over. And then another rookie move, you're having them deliver it to your room. You're not having them leave it down at the desk. You know, that that's weird too. And then you know, if you want to talk about Pizzagate and all these conspiracies, it's like, you know, hmm, you know, Tim Grover and George, you know, the driver, like they were the ones that put this order in and then they didn't touch the pizza. Like, you know, you kind of wonder. And then the last thing I wonder is, you know, we know how Jordan holds grudges. Has Michael had a slice of pizza since that? That's what, that's what I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> the pizza made the list. <laughs> the pizza made the list of people that he has to devour. Uh, yeah, I have a major questions. Um, yeah, I'd like to order a pizza for Michael Jordan. Uh, J O R <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's kidding. Uh, you gotta be kidding me. And then two, like, yeah, what are the ingredients that you're putting on this pizza necessarily? 
Um, I always knew it was a slice of, uh, it was bad pizza was, was the story that always kind of went along. And it also sort of sounds like that, like Jordan ate the whole pizza, which is never a good idea. I don't care if you're the goat or just, you know, on a, on an awesome podcast for the believe podcast network. Uh, don't ever eat an entire pizza by yourself just cause you're, you're going, you're going to regret it. You know, whether it's the poops or whether you get sick or not, I mean, just bad things are going to happen. You got to stop after two or three slices. Go ahead, BCK. Do, do we have either of you uh, or any of you or anybody else uh, uh, done any like extensive research uh, post this episode about what the, like all the questions that Choi just asked are so unbelievably valid. Like what the fuck happened? What are the actual answers? Because that story is bullshit. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't match up, right? Well, I will say in my life, I've done the 10,000 hours of eating pizza. So, I mean, I've done that. Expert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've made it to that point in my life, so I can say that much. Go ahead, Eggs. So, so what's, what's, what's the other theory? The other the only other theory I heard was that he was hammered and he was hungover. Is that the other theory, or, or have you guys heard something else? Well, uh, the, the theory that pushes back on that is that Jordan was never hungover ever. And then my only question to poke a hole into that is that how drunk can you get in Utah um, that you finally do get that sure. worst terrible hangover? I mean, what's going on in Utah that I don't really understand? And then five so delivery guys you- delivering one pizza. I mean, them putting something on that pizza. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. I'm really not. I'm kind of on the board of like, People in the service industry messing with athletes, especially when they know that there's a big game going on. It's Utah, so don't tell me that there's like six or seven other events or entertainment activities going on that would distract anyone. The entire town is thinking about that series right now, and all it takes is just for one one dumb mutton chop Fu Manchu white dude to put something on a pizza and give it out. Go ahead, Mike. Well, and you know, now knowing that at least if we're take, if we're taking it at face value that it was. Uh, food poisoning as opposed to the flu. I, I think that's more impressive. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of those things suck. But if I had to choose between playing with the flu and playing with food poisoning where I want to puke and shit for like 48 hours, I'll take the flu anytime. So I think All it's day. even more impressive. All day. Hop in BCK, then Higgs. Have you guys had food poisoning before? Yes. <laughs> so me too. I, you are constantly shitting and barfing. How True. are you going to tell me that you're running around playing a basketball game for 40, well, whatever, how long that game was? True. I can't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they were, they could have been sneaking the puke. Hop in, Higgs. Sure. Yeah, I, was, I mean, like, yeah, when I was younger, like, oh, yeah, he's sick. He's got the flu. That sucks. And, but yeah, once you've had food poisoning once, I've had it a couple of times, unfortunately, but once you have it once, yeah, watching that last night, yeah, I was the same way. I was way, way, way more impressed with him doing anything. Besides going to the bathroom the whole time, like you're just wiped out. You can't, like, it's hard to walk. You can't think. Like, it's the worst. So the fact that he played and then he's, he had 38 on top of that is crazy. And they were down by, I think, 25 in the game. Um, yeah, he probably popped as much emodium as he scored points. I will tell you the one time I've gotten food poisoning a couple different times. Thank you, Taco Bell. Uh, but one of the times was. Uh, I went to a pack. You remember that Packers bar in Chicago? There was a Packers bar, um, sort of like Lincoln Parkish, maybe a little bit west of there. And it was this all Packers bar. I went there in Bears gear, getting razzed, doing the whole thing. Halftime comes around. They had a back patio area. And at this place, super cool because they did a raffle, gave away gifts. They cooked burgers for everyone during halftime and then just kind of handed them out. So a guy grilling these burgers in the back. Halftime's coming around. At the very end, everyone's on the plate. Everyone gets a burger. I don't even bother because I know I'm going to get made fun of. And then the guy comes over to me, and there's one burger left on the plate. And he goes, hey, Bears fan, don't tell anybody, but this one's for you. And I went, oh, thank you so much. And I remember that, like, it was, like, charred on the outside, a little little bloody on the inside, but I housed it. And this is, like, mid-afternoon. And I wasn't getting after it that day, but I left the bar. I went to a friend's house an hour later, and it just, like, hit me like a ton of bricks. Got super sick in his kitchen. Tried to walk home. Puked on the street because I couldn't stop having And then it just, 
for the next four or five hours just like ripped me apart. And, uh, and I can relate. Could I have scored 38 points that day? I don't think so. Took 38, <laughs> poops. Took 38 poops though. <laughs> this is terrible, terrible news, Joey. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. So are we saying he didn't have food poisoning? Is that I'm, what we're saying now? So I'm saying that I'm from the ilk of like your rivals will poison you when it right. comes to it. That Packers fan poisoned me. That jazz, the jazz pizza man, pizza jazz poisoned Mike. And, uh, you know, and from then on, they, they haven't done shit since. So sorry. About no, it. I mean, I, I don't doubt that, uh, that that's a possibility, but I'm just saying as now we've, that we've all kind of realized that like you're, you're, you're shitting and puking for 24 hours straight. So given that he had food poisoning, you know, to some degree, could he have even played? Like, could he have even been on the court long enough to, before he was like, Hey, I got, I got to go to the bathroom. Hop in BCK. I just got to say now that I'm thinking about this, right? It's always been the flu, always been the flu. Now they come out, nope, food poisoning. Why make, why make that, why change, if, even if it's all bullshit, maybe he was just fucking drunk and hungover. Why change it from the flu, which is so much more believable, I feel like, to play not feeling well than to play where you would have to be running in the bathroom every five seconds. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, all right, well, then it can't be made up. Why would you ever say that? They must have fucking got poisoned. Somebody must have, I'm sure he didn't say his name, but some, I don't know, maybe this poisoner was a fucking sleuth and like just knew it was him and knew how to get past the front desk. And, you know, <laughs> it just seems so crazy to make it up. So something was clearly wrong and it just, it just adds to the, to the magic that this dude was. Like, it didn't matter what the fuck was wrong. I, I just will, keep thinking I about, I just keep thinking about what this pizza looked like, right? Like, did it open up and it was all pepperoni with one like, weird green fish on it you know what i'm saying like it's just like there was one pepperoni that like looked different from the others and he was like oh a special pepperoni and like eat you know what I mean? like i'm just like so i'm so curious about the science george throws like, his hand in and mj smacks it away my pizza <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'm eating this whole thing <laughs> okay mike whatever uh, and then yeah he got sick at 2 30 in the morning he said and then obviously he had had to go through them for about it had to have been at least 12 hours before you got to the stadium pump the iv full so maybe he was done with the poopsies by then but was still feeling really bad you know what i mean like this is, this is the goat i know you know what is <laughs> we're all thinking of our own butt turnaround times right now but plus you gotta think about like just like holding your stomach and run, running around a court yeah. oh yeah like you every thought, time you, you jump like his arms <laughs> You'd see his arms too, like go slack after he would make a concerted effort or a move, or you'd see like the whistle blow, like his arms would just kind of like be limp, or you know yeah. what I mean, like almost like like careless because he was so low on energy. Maybe he had a pair of depends on. Ooh, there you go. Now there's open. So I go to the <laughs> locker room and I grab <laughs> MJ's diapers, <laughs> previously used by Rodman, but then oh. all of a sudden. So this is, we're going to do one more final topic before we're going to wrap up episode nine. MJ's interaction with Larry Bird. I mean, first of all, I'm just going to, I'm just going to set it up like this and then I'm going to let you guys roll. I was talking to a cousin last night. He lives in Boston right now. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are from Boston. I actually really like respect them as like sports fans and, Granted, can they go over the line a little bit too much? And is it ridiculous? Of course. But a Chicago fan and a Boston fan, we love sparring with each other. And let me tell you something right now. We have the ammo for the rest of our lives over any Boston fan that tries to give us any of this dog shit about the 86 Celtics or Bird being the greatest of all time. When our guy, MJ, walks up to Larry Bird after he beats him game seven and goes, do you enjoy yourself, dog? You bitch, fuck you. Enjoy your golf game. I mean, I'm sorry. When, when our guy calls your best guy a bitch and, uh, and he, he takes it, I mean, I think, I think the, the conversation is over. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, give credit where credit is due and point fingers when you need to point fingers. I mean, we talk about how MJ, you know, finds all these slights thrown against him right throughout his career. He just told Larry Bird after he eliminated him from the playoffs, you bitch. Fuck you. If that was anybody else other than Michael Jordan, we would all be like, this guy is a fucking prick. But because it's Michael Jordan, myself included, it's like, that's hilarious. And that's MJ. In the middle of a, 
in the middle of a handshake and a hug too. Like the physicality <laughs> was so, there was so much respect and oh my, and then those fucking words come out of his mouth and Bird just walks away like, no yeah. report. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Well, you know, you know that Larry can talk a good, he's one of the better trash talkers. Oh, yeah. I think he's an underrated, probably trash talker in the history of the game. Um, and, and Bird had nothing to say. That's the best part. Yep. Because, you know, sometimes you just got to take it. And when you lose, you lose. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just Michael Jordan calling Larry Bird a bitch is just <laughs> one of the, the, the warmest. After winning, after winning a close series, and, this, right. and these guys were like, you know, they played against each other. They're on the dream team together, Hall of Famers respected one another uh it's just, <laughs> tells it, them to have fun golfing it's like what a dick god it warms my heart it really oh. just on cold nights uh on rainy days like we we're getting in southern california today it just really just it's like a bowl of soup i mean i'm gonna play that i'm gonna play that just over and over and over again i couldn't believe it and uh i think it's just and again that's just another moment where the myth is just being colored in that equally continues to match the resume which is just absolutely incredible final thoughts on episode nine before we kick off to episode 10 anyone feel free the floor is open go ahead mike i'm gonna i'm gonna take it in a little bit different direction but i think one of the unsung mvps of this entire series has been michael's cars you know we've got corvettes we've got ferraris we've got land rovers we got mercedes we have you know all these cars and like does anybody have like like his, his vanity plates, one said air, the other said two tray. Michael obviously did not care about being discreet when he was driving on the streets of Chicago. So, you know, you got to give him that prop too. Uh, Higgs, any final thoughts on episode nine? Uh, no, I'm glad they, they, they went over the Pacer series because like I said, that was, that was the scariest uh, series out of all of them. I'm glad they touched on that. Yeah, and obviously wrapping up the Wrapping up the fifth title, which seemed, uh, you know, obviously you got the flu game and the game-winning shot, but actually was a little bit more perfunctory and a little less drama than perhaps the, the second go-around. Um, yeah, BCK, episode nine, uh, just heading into episode 10, like how are you, are, are your emotions like at an all-time high? Because now we're leading into the last episode, you know what I mean? Like it's all just like ramping up to this moment. Everything was still was still great for me at the at the end of episode nine. It, it was uh, it was just like every other week. I'm halfway through the two fucking best hours of my week, not thinking about uh, how it's going to be over yet. Uh, I I was just pumped, and then of course an hour later, just complete devastation that the series is over. But yeah, we're gonna get to that uh, in just a second. But this was episode nine of the Last Dance on Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Don't stop now, boys. Uh, go ahead and just click right above you to episode 10 to check out our final installment of our reaction pieces to the documentary of our lives. Uh, <laughs> one of the most amazing things I've probably watched in a really long time. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Make sure you click up and check out episode 10. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.